Join us today as we discuss the cultural and lasting impact of the 1990s Dream Team, starring Michael Jordan, John Stockton, Carl Malone, among others. And let's just, as we discuss it, we'll include our thoughts on them, uh, the lasting impact they had, and just everything that it means to a country to have a team that we consider to be the team of all teams, the GOAT, if you will, mm -hmm. the dream team. Yeah, and before we get started, we'd like to mention that for those that are, are new to this, this is Soren Sports Podcast, where basically we'll be talking international sports topics, like the ones we mentioned from the Miracle on Ice, from both U.S. and Soviet Union perspective, or now Russia, to recovery sports recovery and in a global pandemic into now our next episode uh, the dream team and you can find us on Spotify just type, type in Soren Sports we're right there or you can look at a, look us up at iTunes or Apple Podcast it is Soren Sports and we will be there sum it all up y'all know how to listen to a podcast you're listening to one right now um, but yeah, you know, if you enjoy what we're having to say, uh, share it with your friends. You know, we're, we're still kind of young in this whole game, but if you like what we're doing, like what we have to say, maybe your friends would too. So share it with your friends, share it with your family, those that you know that like to listen to podcasts. Let's awesome. And, and now let's get started. Basketball is also that has a lot of following and what we're going to talk about, obviously, my co-host and friend Brayden mentioned that the dream team, how it came to happen, what what made the dream team fascinating, and also what made them the greatest team ever assembled. And so to get started, there's always a backstory to basketball, especially in the Olympics. When you think about it, basketball basketball was mostly for amateurs when it comes to the Olympics only amateur players were allowed to play no pros this happened for a very long time and US the US and and the Soviet Union have had success with it but it wasn't until 1988 that when that they passed FIBA passed a resolution it was after the Olympic Games in Seoul that professional players were allowed to play, which that changed the tide a lot. It was good that, hey, we'll get to see the best. However, there were some cons, especially if you think about basketball in the U.S. Would the best players play, especially knowing that the best players come from the NBA, would they want to play? Would they want to, after having a grueling 82-game season, and if including those that make the playoffs and make a run to the finals deep in June, would they want to play again during the summer where they could risk injury or lose money or something? So that was a question that several, several league executives thought, even including the the commissioner at the time, David Sturr. But they realized they saw an opportunity. They saw this is a global a 
global becoming a global world and also the platform was perfect for them as as the Olympics in Barcelona began. And to kinda take a step out of basketball for a quick second, uh, hockey as we all know today, same with basketball, they allow pro pro professional players to play in the league or in the Olympics, sorry. Um, that being you know, the NHL or any professional league around the world, similar to basketball situation. And I think with hockey and basketball so connected in the States, a lot of the teams share the same arenas, you know. And so I, the 1990s, early 90s with the Dream Team helped pave the way for the NHL to make that agreement with the International Olympic Committee to allow pro players in their league to go ahead and join the Olympics in 1995. Yeah, yeah that, that made a great impact, and, and we'll get to that later in this episode. But obviously, you have pro athletes, great. Who are you going to pick? And obviously, like, everybody's number one choice was Michael Jordan. And obviously, Michael Jordan, when you think of him, you always think as the GOAT, the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball. Uh, you think about Space Jam. Space Jam, yes. You think about his shoes, his his skills, unbelievable, and and everybody and most people were like, okay, Michael Jordan's gonna be in. However, his however there was some question as far as like, okay, in the summer he likes to golf, and you, and most athletes during the summer, hey, we either golf or we do something else that's not basketball related. They'll take care of that. Probably say August after a month of not not doing basketball related workouts. And also with Michael, it's like he already did the Olympic experience in the nineteen eighty four Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. He won gold. So he's like, okay, um, who else is gonna play? And so that's when the process of naming players became reality. That's when the first two people that were called and I think these it was without these two even not on this team, I don't know if we would have had a dream team. Probably would have had a great team, but not a lot. And these two people I would say these two bas these two men saved the NBA and made the NBA to what it is today. And I'm talking about Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. With their additions, that allowed Michael to be like, okay, you know what? I get to be with them. And and then with that, that added guys like we mentioned the jazz duo of John Stockton and Carl Malone. You added David Robinson, who in 88, four, year, four years back in Seoul, they got bronze. They were humiliated. And he wanted redemption. This was a good opportunity. Patrick Ewing, another guy who's had success in 84, was a teammate of Michael's. You got Clyde Drexler. You added Chris Mullen. Also, you had Charles Barkley, who really very outspoken. Someone that great skill. No one doubted that. But it was just... 
It was just his talking that really made it some to question whether you should have him. But he was in anyway, and that worked perfect. They also added Michael's teammate, Scottie Pippen, which in, in, an, in a documentary about the Dream Team, he mentioned, I don't know why he, he was picked. He was, he felt honored to be picked. And then the last pick was obviously a college guy by the name of Christian Leitner. And it actually came down to either him or Shaquille O'Neal. But because they saw the success of Christian Leitner, the selection committee decided to go with a college player. But however, this selection process was not easy. And in any selection process, there's always people that's going to be like, hey, how come Isaiah Thomas is not there? Which we know it was some beef that Jordan said, okay, you put me in, I'm, you put him in, I'm not in. Or Dominic Wilkins or so-and-so. But in any sport, you put in the greatest athletes, someone is left out, and and this happens in any sport. Well, not only that, you know, yeah, you know, there's beef or arguments and fights going on with these players. But if you assemble a team of just the greatest players in the pro league, you know, all the players from around the league that are considered the best, but they don't mesh well together as a team, you're not going to go far. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. wanted to come back after being humiliated in the last one Summer Olympic Games and come back, dominate the competition, and prove why American basketball was the best. And you can't necessarily do that unless you build a team that is willing to not only play together, but mesh as well together. Because, you know, you can assemble a team of five greatest players in the world, and um, if they don't like each other, they're not going to play well. They're not going to play as a team. They're going to play yeah. as individuals. And in basketball, you can't do that. Same thing with this dream team. You, if you had all these players and they didn't like each other, they were not going to play well. Regardless of how well the, or these players played, how talented they were, you know, how much experience they had, if they didn't mesh well, it wasn't going to be a success. And I think the awesome part of including a college kid in this team is impressive because you have you have MJ, you have you know Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, you have Carl Malone, John Stockton. You have all these guys, and now they get it put their influence on the future of the game in this college kid who probably wouldn't want to do maybe not lot great things in the game of basketball. I don't know. I don't follow basketball as much, but mm-hmm. like he was able to do pretty well for himself because of the influence of these guys. Yeah, and obviously we're talking about Christian Leitner, who at that time he he was actually getting ready to enter the draft. Like, he was getting ready to be in the NBA. He got drafted that year. Third overall by the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, so yeah, it was just, it was like he was the rookie, pretty much. But, after, so, with the team assembled, and then, but before that, needing a coach was so important. A coach who has worked with personalities, has worked with guys from different Different, different backgrounds or even different um, 
different ways of approaching the game. And who better than do that than Chuck Daly? And Chuck Daly, being a two-time champion, he coached one of the physical teams of all time, and that's the Detroit Pistons of the late 80s. And really, like as Charles Barkley said in an interview, he said, and don't worry guys, I'm gonna clean the language. He said, hey, he's like, he coached the bad boys. If he can coach those, those jerks, he can coach anybody. That summed it up. Like needing a coach who, who has coached different personalities or, 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 or jerks or, or I'm not gonna say the language of Charles, what Charles said, but you get the point. That creates a perfect ingredient for success, and not just short term, but long term. You know, when we think of the dream team, rightly so, we think of the players, but we wouldn't have a dream team were it not for Chuck Daly. You know, without him, the team probably wouldn't have done as well. And so the fact that, you know, we have this great coach and we have the dream team, and maybe, you know, he was there. Maybe he doesn't get as much credit as he clearly deserves, but mm -hmm. you know, he was a large part in why the Dream Team succeeded. You know, like when we think about the Miracle on Ice, we think of Herb Brooks mm -hmm. with a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. When we think of the Dream Team, we think about MJ and all these players. We don't mm -hmm. necessarily think of Chuck Daly, who, you know, was a superstar in his own right. Yeah. So like fact that you know we don't think about a coach as much as we probably should is just wonderful yeah because the game is about the players and something that basketball has always done well is market its players especially yeah. in the 90s you know Absolutely, yeah. that's when basketball really took off that's when they figured out how to do things you know and they kind of left baseball behind <laughs> yeah absolutely and then yeah, it's like what basketball does. It's it's a marketing machine, and you have the talent for it. But you're also winning. You'll get market, and and plus, even if you're selected to the Olympics, it's even better. And and that's what happened. Um, they they had to go through a series of practice, you know, where they scrimmage against some college stars. Where basically at first they didn't know what was going on. Like, they were, they were just being okay. Like, who's going to dribble the ball? Like, who's going to bring it up the court? No, I'll bring it up. No, I'll bring it up. Like, so it was at first, like, like a science experiment where at first it wasn't good. They got, they lost that, that scrimmage game. But then the second time they put, they, they got it together and, and they were able to, find, mitigate the weakness that they had, which basically was, they were, they were having trouble guarding smaller, quicker point guards. Which meant if, if Magic Johnson was, gu was guarding him, forget it. So putting Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, which at the time were two of the best defenders, completely mitigated that, and that actually helped them long term in the Olympics. Whenever you build a team, you have to build the chemistry as well as the lineup. 
you know, as a baseball player, you know, the lineup is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Where you are going to be batting is important for, for a vast majority of reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. If I bat leadoff, I have a certain amount of responsibilities. If I bat cleanup, I have another set of responsibilities. You know, from my understanding of base- basketball, it's the same thing. If you're the point guard, you have a certain amount of responsibilities. Yeah. It's kind of like batting leadoff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a guard, it's another set of responsibilities. Yeah. Forward is kind of like cleanup. You have to do these certain things to protect the basket and the, not let the other team get points mm-hmm. in. But if you don't have the right lineup of players, it's not going to work as well. And so, you know, seeing them lose that first thing game is like, oh, whatever. They're still trying to figure out lineup yeah. and whatever. And so the minute they figured out the lineup, everything just went well for them. You know, they figured out this is how we're going to do it. They had the best defenders up front. They had the best scorers in the back. And it all just worked out well. Yeah, absolutely. It worked out well in the scrimmage. And then when once they got clicked together, they had their first game, which became the FIBA America's Qualifying Tournament. What it is, basically, is for you to make the Olympics, you have to play in this tournament. And if you end up being, if you end up being first or second place, you get to go to the Olympics. So they had to do that. And first game, I remember what, what was the order of the FIBA Americas, but the first game, which, and it took place in Portland, when the players were walking up in warm-ups, if you could see the opposing team, everybody stopped what they're doing. They stopped warming up or stretching and just was staring at them as if, like some, like if there was 12 popes coming, as Jack McMullen would say in the Dream Team documentary, or if it was like some like uh, several Greek gods coming, you could tell it was something bigger than you can imagine, and not just it happened before the game, even during the game, like just pretend Braden is Magic Johnson. <laughs> hey, Senor Johnson, Mr. Johnson, how are you? Shaking hands during the game, or or even. After the game, obviously, autographs or, or even before tip-off, where the ball is about to tip off, you could tell the players and the coaches from the opposing team were like, hey, let's take a picture. Can we take a picture? And yes, absolutely. They took a picture, and you could see how it was starting to become a big deal because of that. Like, the minute you get a bunch of stars that everybody knows and everybody loves, Fans, are, are they have fans all over the world. You know, and basketball is now an international sport. So, like, you take these, these players, you put them in any international setting where they're going to be, you know, admi- they're playing. They're going to have fans that follow them, admire them, love what they do, their game. And so the fact that, you know, they were doing this doesn't necessarily surprise me because, you know, they were superstars. Everyone knew who Michael Jordan was. Everyone knew who these guys were. So, and, you know, that that's not too surprising because of it. So mm-hmm. it's just impressive to see that, you know, 
they these superstars were humble enough to you know say hey this is more than just about us this is not just about us this is about our game this is about who we are representing the u.s the game of basketball the nba so they re- they realize this isn't about us and they move forward out of their circle yeah absolutely and and that made me think about how that can impact today like now obviously you don't see players hey let me get an autograph now they say hey i know this guy and i can beat him and we'll talk that approach at the later at this episode but but yeah i probably would have done we would have done the same thing like we're like if we're playing for country country b against the dream team oh let's stop everything and just marvel you know and then shake their hands or get a picture with them that made it that made it well well known that hey I, we're here to yeah we're here we're here to well accept the picture now but we're also here to win and obviously the margin they won by like 45 points average like and obviously winning the tournament helped them qualify to Barcelona and what happened in Barcelona and during that time became was unbelievable and even though people at first were like what like some were skeptical which is understandable because I don't know if pro players can get along to too many egos to feed you know but I, I believe that it was also a learning experience for for all of them and in ways that you can pick each other's brain and grow together from there. No, exactly. And like, especially if we consider the fact that none of these guys had ever been on the same team before. They didn't know how each other played very mm-hmm. well. They, well, they knew how they played because they've always played against each other, but never on the same team, except for MJ and Scottie Pippen, of course. But like, so there was some of that, but I think more so they played well together because they set aside their egos. Mm-hmm. It goes back to what I was saying a bit earlier, how they realized this isn't about us. You know, they real they had the same realization that, you know, the Lake Placid hockey team had. They wore USA on their chest. They mm-hmm. wore the country colors they wore the banner they represented the united states they represented what the u.s is and could be they also represented the nba what the nba was going to be what it could be and so they realized you know hey we gotta do something right here otherwise we can severely mess this up forever yeah and so the fact that they took some time and stepped outside of their box and said set their egos aside is amazing because yeah i don't know <laughs> if it could have ever been done by another set of people there's almost always someone that would have been hey make this about me but with this case because it's an olympic scale it's a larger scale it's herculean almost yeah. these players were like hey this isn't about us it's about yeah. the game it's about who we are yeah absolutely and and what you mentioned stepping out of the comfort zone, getting to know one another 
helped out as well. Like, the friendship, like, one of the friendships I can talk about is Larry Bird and Patrick Ewing. You never thought those two would, would get along big time. But they did. And best friends, even to this day, if that, that goes to show you that, hey, it's okay to break down to, hey, like, have a friendship that can last off, not just on the court, but off it. And get to know each other. And even the biggest one that came to attention was Michael Jordan and Chuck Daly. Like, the relationship between the player, the, the star player, and the coach is of great importance. Not just in basketball, any sport. Especially if it's a team sport. And, and really what, like, you can imagine how these two, like, before that, like, both their teams hated each other's guts. And basically, to get to the finals, it was going to come down to these two. And, and really, like, Coach Daly devised the plan to stop Michael Jordan. Like, made him work. For everything, like you could see, he was how much he was bumped into the air, how much um, he got hit, and still went up and still got up, which amazes me. But how they played golf together and they conversed and talked—that shows that hey, like, yeah, we have a history, but we moved on. We have bigger things. What, what's the word? We have bigger fish to fry, and that made it perfect for for how things were going to be and even like how how despite they had that rivalry it turned into more of a friendship but also a trust and so from there obviously they won the Olympics they we could talk more about the games and everything, but they won the Olympics. They they did something that the world could see, and that is like you can put the best players and win, and also create an environment where where a lot of people will remember that for the rest of their lives. And you know, being born five years after this team and the games in Barcelona mm -hmm. like for me being part of the legacy of this game like yeah I don't follow basketball as much as mm -hmm. you know my friends do or others do but I know of this team mm -hmm. I know of these players I know who they are like I know the history of the game somewhat like I know this moment and like, yeah, I have other sports I follow and I love those sports, but I always seem to come back to the dream team. I always mm -hmm. seem to come back to why this worked. And I think it's very, if we, but there's tons of similarities with the dream team and the Lake Placid team, I think. Mm -hmm. Like the only major difference besides the fact, you know, that one's hockey and one's basketball one was a bunch of amateurs and one was a bunch of superstars 
but if we look at the success these teams had and the success these players had it had a lot of it was the same the place of games are differently because obviously two separate sports but mm-hmm. as i said in our first episode i would argue that before the dream team like placid's hockey team is the dream team because of how successful they were and you know we talk about the dream team and we immediately think basketball and that's wonderful but i think every sport in the olympics that's a team sport has a dream team of sorts and i think one of those teams for Mm -hmm. the united states is like placid 1980 the u.s hockey team that's a dream team the next one i would say would probably be 1980 92 with the dream team yeah and and so yeah like how what they did was incredible and I'll tell you, as someone like myself who plays basketball, who who has followed basketball at an early age, and and really I could say that if it wasn't for basketball, obviously we could, there's other things, but if it wasn't for basketball, I believed I would have not developed certain attributes that allow me to be who I am, and and even though I was born a year. After the dream team, I would say that, like for those kids that were watching, and I want to focus more on the kids who are watching internationally, because the U.S. Yeah, like it's expected, but internationally, like probably their predecessors, they were looking at the dream team. They're like, uh, why try? Or like, they're they're just too good, you know? But let's go to some countries. Let's go to Argentina. Manu Ginobili was watching as a kid. Let's go to France. Tony Parker was watching. Let's go to Germany. Dirk Nowitzki was watching. Let's go to Australia. Andrew Bogut. Let's go to Russia. Andre Kirilenko. Let's go, let's go to Spain, where two brothers, Mark Powell and Mark Gasol, they're from Barcelona. The Olympics was right in their backyard. I wouldn't be surprised, and, and I have to watch their reaction to the dream, to watching the dream team as, as kids, but if I would have been them, I would have found a way to snuck in just to watch them, because I know... They're in my backyard. Their approach was, yeah, they're good. I want to be like those guys. What can I do to be like those guys? And they trained and trained, and not. And then from there you saw guys like Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, the Gasol brothers, Andrew Bogut. Now you see Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic. Like now, they're in the NBA. And even what surprises me, what, what amazed me was Charles Barkley was talking in, in that interview, with that, in that documentary of the Dream Team. And he said that he's talked with Tony Parker. He's talked with Manager Nobley and Dirk Nowitzki. 
And they said that their first love of basketball came from watching the Dream Team, the 92 Olympics. So, and he said, that made me proud. That made me happy. Because thanks to that, you saw those kids who were at that time, you can, you can guess 11 or 8 or even 6 and say, they may not remember like, oh, like the environment and all, but they saw the games. Their mindset was, I want to be like those guys. What can I do to be like those guys? So that way, when the time for me to come to represent my nation and play Team USA, I know I'm ready. And and if you see basketball internationally now, it's like, you got some pretty good teams out there. Like now, it's not just the US, but to think of Spain, the past years, past two Olympics, before uh, Brazil, but the past two in Beijing and London, they were the two finalists. You think of also Serbia, Lithuania, you think of even at times Argentina, you think of Australia. Now it's like you got some competition and that makes the game even better and makes it even want to know more about these players. It also makes the U.S. team a lot better because they want to maintain their dominance mm -hmm. in the sport. And so they're going to try and continue to improve as well and all and whatnot. And I think we look back at what Alan was just saying about how these younger players that are now in the league are saying, you know, watching the Dream Team play, watching that made me want to play. Same thing goes with the, you know, the 1980 Lake Placid Dream Team. A lot of hockey players today are now saying, because of that game, mm -hmm. because of that legacy, I got interested in hockey and I wanted to play. You know, like, there's probably tons of players in different leagues that have these moments in their league's history where they look back and they see these moments and they go, because of that moment, that's why I want to play. That's what I can attribute everything mm -hmm. in my career to. And we look at basketball today, everyone loves LeBron James, they love Dwayne Wade, they mm -hmm. love you know these players, and there's Kobe Bryant, they love these guys, and they're like, hey, I want to be like them, I want to do what they do, how can I do that? Yeah, exactly. And they're figuring yeah. it out. You know, like in baseball today, Mike Trout, Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, Aaron Judge, you know, we have all these guys, and kids are like, I want to be like those guys. And I think as a pro athlete, that's got to be tough in a lot of ways because you know you have all these people looking up to you. you mm -hmm. There's got to be a lot of pressure on them. And I think the same with, with the Dream Team. There was tons of people with eyes on them wondering how they would do, yeah. wondering if they would succeed, and wondering is it worth it. And I think they were so good at being, hey, let's not worry about that. Yeah, that's important. But what's more important to us right now is the here and now and this game. We start worrying about that, we're not going to play well. Oh, and yeah. so they set it aside for a few minutes just to play a game. Mm -hmm. And once the game was over, they would think about it more and how that game, that win, impacted that legacy. And I think 
you have to do that as a pro athlete. You have to set it aside for just a few moments and say, I'm going to focus on what I got to do right here, right now. And once that's over, okay, let's think about this and how it affects others. Because you have so many eyes watching you, looking up to you, that it's got to be tough. And you're, you ha- have a voice now. And you have a platform. And you got to figure out how to use it. That's got to be rough for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, it is. But how these guys handled it was with class. Was It was bumpy, yeah. They've had some bumps on the road, just like any other team, you know. But they were able to handle it the way they should. And fans still talk about them to this day. And now as, as, as it has been 28, well, close to... Also, close to 28 years since the Barcelona games have has happened, but what happened there still has its impact. And really, it if it wasn't for for all of this, you gotta thank one man for that, and that is Boris Stankovic, who was the president, the head of FIFA Basketball, which is the the world the governing. The world, the body governing of international basketball. It's like the FIFA for basketball. Pretty much, yes. And if it wasn't for him pushing the idea of pros in the Olympics, we would have not had the dream team. And with David Stern leading the charge when it came to that later on, we would have not had basketball growing everywhere. And and having those kids say from around the world, I want to be like those guys. What can we do? And we will end this saying that, saying this, if you see something, sports or job, whatever, and maybe your predecessors say, no, I don't know, like, yeah, I know they're good, but I don't know, but we can't beat them. But if you're a kid and you see that, be like, I love that. What can I do to be like that? That's good. Do it. You like like we mentioned these play, these international players that we mentioned from Manu Ginobili, Dirk Nowitzki, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic. Saw them, saw the Dream Team, or even saw Team USA in basketball, and said, I want to be like them. What can I do so that way I can prep myself? Be in the right, in the right, in the correct spots, with the correct people, and then when I get my call to play for my country, I want to be ready. And when I see Team USA, instead of awe and fear, be competitive and go right at them. And I think the only thing I would add to that is we all have a dream. We all. Mm-hmm have something we aspire to do. We all have something we want to do with our lives. And, you know, sometimes we all want someone to believe in us and give us that moment. You know, Al and I might not know you, but if if it helps you, we'll believe in you. We'll believe in your dream because, you know, this might not have been our dream to start out, but with this podcast but it was a way for us to realize hey we can help others we can help not only ourselves and share our love of 
the sports world with others, but we can help others along the way. And, you know, no one, everyone we knew was like, hey, that's a good idea, good luck. And, like, yeah, they didn't, you could kind of tell they're like, eh, good luck, like, that's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. But we believed in ourselves, and, you know, that's a large force. You need to believe in yourself before you can move forward. And, you know, all these international players, they believed in themselves. The Dream Team, they believed in themselves. But they also had a, a support system around them, too. It was their team. It was their family. It was friends, people they looked up to, voices they've heard. And so, you know, they had people believing in them, too. So we'll believe in you even if we don't know you because the fact that you have a dream of something you want to do to change this world is amazing and you should go do it that dream may change as life goes on and evolve mine certainly did but that shouldn't stop you change is a fact of life but change is good as alan was just saying and it allows us to improve ourselves and nine times out of ten the change that happens with your dream improves your dream as well yeah so keep going keep pushing as Brendan said, we do believe in you. Even if you're not chasing a sports dream, but you're chasing a dream in, in your career, in your family, or even in yourself, we believe in you. Keep pushing. Keep trying. Keep motivated. Because at the end of the day, there always will be a good day. And there will always be an opportunity to grow and to chase that dream and to never, never let others bring you down. But use that as motivation to improve and to never look down. And remember everybody, we're in dark times, but don't give up. There's sources of light everywhere we look. All we have to do is look. So we'll leave here. Join us next week when we're talking about, you know, baseball again and how that's going to impact, you know, the world as they plan to come back. And let's talk about that next week. But, you know, everybody, keep going and continue believing. Peace.